Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. There we go. Good morning, everyone. Ah, big hugs, everyone. I love you all. What a good morning, eh? Sure, and congrats to all those guys who got baptized, new members. I mean, yeah, just really, thanks like that. New members. <laughs> Uh, really good to see you all. As, um, I missed you guys last week. We were up at Hillside Church, and uh, man, we had a good time up there. They are starting Revival Rain as a church, actually tomorrow. Their whole church is going to be doing the 40 days of praying for revival, and uh, so we had such a powerful time there last week. They're having an awesome time in there this morning as well. So hey, let's keep them in prayer, and let's trust that the people up the hill We'll experience what the people down the hill are experiencing. Amen? <laughs> well, this morning I want to talk about being seed-minded. And, uh, you know, I was thinking just uh, last week about preaching at Hillside, you know, going to different churches. It's, there's always a different culture and a different vibe in different churches, you know? And maybe even like our first-time visitors, maybe you here and going, whoa, this is all different, this is all, you know, strange, and, you know, and, and, and I've been to some strange churches over the years um, and, and been in some very interesting scenarios. There's, uh, there's one church I went into, and I was invited to preach, and, and I was preaching, and there was this, it was, we were in a tent, and um, while I was preaching, you know, like, you know me, guys, sometimes I can just like really get into it, eh? So I'm like, I'm in the middle of the sermon and I'm going for it and I'm preaching my heart out. And then the next thing what happened in that moment was there was this woman who was sitting about over here, all right? <laughs> and she very surreptitiously just got up out of her seat, very, very quietly, very like gentle, you know, gets up out of her seat. She comes like almost sneaking up to the front, you know, like this. And I'm thinking, what is she doing? Is she, is, I'm still preaching, but I'm watching, you know? I'm like, I'm going and I'm seeing, is she coming for ministry? And do I need to pray for this woman? You know, Jesus, is this a moment here? Is this a healing moment? Is this a deliverance moment? What is this moment, Lord? And uh, just before I'm like trying to work out what's going on, she comes up to the, to the corner of the stage over there and she takes out 50 rand and she puts it onto the stage and then she walks back to her seat. And in that moment, I was, I, I've never seen anybody do that in my life before. I'm, I was just like, you know, I'm here on the stage and I'm preaching and I'm watching and I'm preaching and watching and all of a sudden there's 50 bucks there and I'm thinking, is she tipping me? <laughs> am, I, <laughs> am, I, am I preaching real good? Is this, this like... Man, we just got to throw money at this guy for, you know, <laughs> for some reason. And the 50 rand's there. And you know the fan is on the stage, so it's blowing this way. But then there's a fan that side, so now it's blowing this way. And it's just doing this on the stage. And I'm like, and I'm just thinking, like, I don't want to miss the moment. Jesus, what's happening here? You know, do I need to pick the money up? Do, do I need to get it and... You know, do I, what do I do, you know? But fortunately, I've learned in these circumstances where you, you, what you can do is you look to the crowd for your cue. You know, the crowd will always give you your cue as to like what you, what you should do. But I look at the crowd and what I notice about the crowd is that nobody is noticing her. They're all just looking at me like, so clearly this is like something common in this church. 
You know, this is something that's happening. Some of you know exactly what she was doing, all right? For me in the moment, I had no idea. And so obviously, like, I look at the people and I realize, okay, just carry on, Wayne. Just carry on, like, just do what the people are doing, you know? So we carry on preaching, then we have ministry afterwards. And while we pray, I'm always tempted. I'm just like, who's gonna pick that 50? <laughs> Who is that? Where's that thing gonna go, you know? We have ministry time, and we're there for ages. Now it's time to go, we're leaving. Everybody's left, we're leaving. I look back, just, it's still on the stage. <laughs> you know what? Money and ministry are sometimes very weird things happen when there's money and ministry. And also, it's a very contentious topic in the church as well. I mean, I've been into a church where there's some, been some very strange things happen with money. Like uh, one church, I know when I was in, what they do when they give their tithes and offering is they bring these boxes up to the front of the church like this, and then everybody has to dance when they're getting there. It's like, Somlandela, Somlandela, Jesus, Somlandela. And they put it in, and they, you know, they're going back to their seat, but some people are extravagant with their dancing, you know? Some people are just like, eh, hey, you know, put it in and like that. And then this one church I was in also, what happened was they, they did something very interesting. They called a, a guy up to the front and they called a girl up to the front and they put the offering boxes in the girl's hand and they put an offering box in the guy's hand. And they were like, all the men in the house, give here. All the women in the house, give here. And then what happened was everybody gets out and all the men go here, all the women go here. And I'm like, okay, this is strange, but like they're not separating us. We're all sitting together, but we're having separate offerings. Okay, it's fine, eh? When in Rome, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, we just respect, we honor culture, whatever it is, you know, we just, that, that's their thing. So then, then once everybody's given, all right, what happens is they open the box. And then two people come up and they start counting. Da, 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 da. They're counting here, and then they're counting here, and they're counting here. And then somebody reports back, okay, we have a winner. <laughs> the women have lost today. The men in the house have won. And all the women are like, ah, and then the women are coming up. They're coming up with more now. They're coming up with more. And they're like, ah. Wait! <laughs> so I, you know, I've, I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've seen a lot, and um, and it's really funny. Ministry and money can be very weird sometimes, but also ministry and money is a very contentious thing, as well. Contentious in the point that if a church starts to talk about money, like people are like. What's this about? You know, and they might never even come back to that church. So I just have to qualify for the first time visitors this morning. We don't always talk about money, okay? <laughs> you know, it's, money is so contentious in the church that some churches will not even go there. They're like, no, we're not even going to talk about this thing because it just yeah, it's too much friction. People must just know what to do and, they, and then they can just do it, you know? Um, uh, they're afraid to go there. As a church, where do we stand on this whole thing? We, we go there, okay? <laughs> we go there as a church. 
So typically, like once a year, what we do is we do a solid teaching on money. We do like a series, a four-part, five-part series on money. And we have, as you've noticed, like Ayanda, this mighty man over here, champion. We do tithing messages regularly so that we, we can keep touch with the topic, all right? And, um, and the reason why we do that is because there's no denying that when you look at the Bible, so much of it deals with money. 25% of everything Jesus was talking about was money. One in 10 scriptures in the Gospels deals with money. There are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that deal with possessions, wealth, tithing, giving, money. That's twice as much more as prayer and faith. So there's no doubt that in the Bible, it is a huge topic. It is definitely something that God was trying to communicate to us about. It's something that God wants to talk to us about. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there. Amen? It wouldn't be there. And why is that so? Why is it that there's so much? Why is it like one of the biggest topics in the Bible? The reason is because money is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. You know, it is, I mean, it is, it is a wonderful to have and it's wonderful if it's a servant, but it's terrible as a master. And it's so bad as a master, Jesus actually said it's like a false god. And it's the one that contends with the living God the most. That's why he said you can't serve God and money, mammon, all right? And, and what he was basically saying is that there is a contender for God in your life. It's this thing called mammon. And you know, money has this crazy way of just getting into our hearts and making us do things or not do things, say things or not say things. It has this ability to control whether we're happy or whether we're sad or whether we're hopeful or whether we're depressed. It has this ability to control our lives, which actually, when you think about it, Jesus was trying to say, guys, that ability should be all in God. In other words, you shouldn't be unhappy and depressed about life because of this thing called money when you have God in your life. God should be the one calling the shots. And so if money makes us behave in a particular way or it changes us when we start talking about it or when we need to give it or something like that, that's a good sign that it's got us. We don't have it. All right? And so money is... A good servant, but it's a terrible master. And that's why so much scripture deals with it. But not only that, there's another reason why scripture deals with money a lot. And that is because God wants us to prosper. Thank you. I'll take that amen in the room. (laughs) I love the reaction when I say that. Wayne, are you a prosperity preacher? Let it be clear today. Let it be forever known. (laughs) Written in concrete (laughs) stone. Yes, I am a prosperity preacher. All right? (laughs) I cannot read the Bible, all right, and come away from it and, and, and believe that somehow God doesn't want me to prosper. It's just not there. Okay, it's just not there. And when I say prosper, I mean in every way, yes, spiritually, yes, emotionally, yes, relationally, but yes, materially. And I love the way like some of us Christians, we're like so ascetic and we're so religious, but it's like, yes, God wants us to prosper, but it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's relational, it's inside, it's all of this. But when it's money, it's like, 
you know? Uh, no, it's both. All right? It's all in every single way. God wants us to prosper. In fact, I believe God wants to bless you so much that others will be envious of you. And so much that you will, in every circumstance, and no matter what the need, and no matter what the state of the economy, have enough and be able to give. I believe his vision for your life is that he wants you to be so radically generous. You've got so much, you can just be generous, that you will be a powerful force of good in the earth. A powerful force of blessing in the earth. I believe that actually through you, generations must be blessed. Neighborhoods must be changed. Cities must be different. I believe the blessing that's on your life is so much so that God wants to reach thousands through you. So much so that the church would never be struggling to pay a campus pastor to be on the campus and win students for Jesus. So much so that we'll never have to worry about paying for the lights on Sunday morning. Just because there's just so much blessing. And people come here and they're just like, sure, what is this? And we can tell them this is the kingdom. This is our God. You know, when you bless people, you know what they do? What do they always say? Oh, Nkosiyang. Giabonga. Who do they thank? Yeah, they thank God. All right. Why? Because it is Him. It's Him through you. All right. So that's what God. But, okay, as much as my job is that, like, I need to teach you how to prosper as a pastor and teach you how to have success, my job is also to make sure that you don't lose your soul in the process. And you don't forget these, like, strong warnings in this Bible as well. Because, you know, there's nothing that will test you more than material gain. It's amazing how many Christians, they start out so fervent for the Lord, and then the material gain comes when they had nothing. They're like, Jesus, you're my everything. And then when stuff comes, it's like, Jesus, you're my something. You know? It's like suddenly Sundays and this and that. And so nothing will make you more lazy, arrogant, prideful, slothful, deceived than this thing called money. And so even scripture commands me, it says, I need to warn the rich. So if you're rich this morning, I warn you. <laughs> Some of you are like, sure, that's not me. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Go and work out what is poor and rich in the world. Go and work it out. Take the globe and work out how much most of the world lives on per day. And work out how much you live on a day. You'll see you're rich. <laughs> so my job is to warn the rich, all right, so that you do not lose your soul in the process while God is blessing you. Amen? So, you know, without, with all that out of the way, <laughs> I want to talk this morning about being seed-minded. I want to talk about what that woman did in that moment. Some of you are like keen, all right? We're going to go, we're going to preach, I'm going to lay some, some foundations this morning, but then we're going to get to what that woman did so, you, so we can understand what that whole thing is. And really, my, my goal this morning is that you're going to leave here being seed-minded and that what we share this morning is actually going to empower you. It's a principle. It's going to empower you to see the blessing of God in your life. So join me in James 5, verse 7, um, and let's, let's just pray before we get into the Word. James 5, verse 7. Father in heaven, 
we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good and that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. And we treasure your word more than our daily bread. And so in this moment, we boldly confess that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. 5 verse 7 says, therefore, be patient, brethren. Look at somebody this morning and say, be patient. Come on. He's coming through for you. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. All right, now I know what you're thinking. I'm going to preach on the latter rain. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. You're thinking, ah, you sidewinded us. You just want to talk about revival again. I, I want to. <laughs> but we have to have a balanced diet here in church. Amen? <laughs> so look at, look at this passage. I want you to notice something here. Just look at it. Let me ask you a question. Who here is the farmer? Who's the farmer in this passage? It's not a trick question. No, we're not the farmers. Who's the farmer here? You. All of you. Into BFC this week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the farmer here is Farmer God. This is Farmer God. Who, who is waiting for the precious fruit from the earth? God. He's talking about God here. So God, I want you to notice this this morning. God is what? A farmer. Okay. What is the precious fruit of the earth that he's waiting for? Souls. Come on. Like I understood this morning. Every soul that comes into the kingdom is a victory for heaven. The currency of heaven is souls, all right? Come on. So he's waiting patiently. The earth is like a field. And farmer God is looking to the field, and he's looking patiently for a harvest of souls. That's what this precious fruit of the earth is. Okay, so let me ask you another question. If God is a farmer, and he's expecting a harvest, what did... God sow in order to get his harvest. Because remember, if you don't sow, you're not going to reap. So if he's a farmer, he's not just going to look at the ground and not do anything. He's going he's gonna to sow something. What did he sow? John 3.16, let's all say it together. For God so the world that he, his only begotten, that he sowed his only begotten son. Okay, what did God want from the earth? He wanted sons. So what did God sow? He sowed a son. And did he reap sons? Generically, ladies, don't feel left out, all right? Yeah, he, he reaped. So God sowed a seed, and he reaped a harvest, much more than what he, than what he sowed. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so... Now that we've seen that, look at the scripture from, that Jesus says this, all right? He says the following. He says in um, John 12, verse 24, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So what was Jesus talking about? What is the grain here of wheat that falls to the ground and dies? Himself. So Jesus saw himself as the seed that the Father was sowing, and the result of that seed was that there was going to be what? A harvest that came from it. Why is it so? Join me. Genesis chapter 1. Knox, you're going to love this. <laughs> Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Why, why is this so when we look at the Bible? <clears throat> and so we're going to read from verse 11. And it says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Can you say according to its kind? According to its kind, all right? Whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed also according to its kind. And the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. Can you say according to its kind? And God saw that it was good. So what I want you to notice here is, is two principles in the Word of God. Principle number one is this, is what you sow is what you reap. So God sowed what? A son, and he reaped sons. In Genesis, what do we see here? Everything produced according to its, according to its kind. So what you sow is what you will reap. How many of you have ever bitten into an apple and found an orange seed? It just never happens, right? How many of you have planted like tomato seeds and then you got red peppers instead? Like the earth is confused. No, it's not. It's like you always reap exactly what you put in, all right? So what you sow is what you reap. But also there's another principle here, and that is this, is that seeds multiply. Is that what you put in the ground is, is not what you get back. When you put a tomato seed in the ground, you don't get a tomato. All right, you get a tomato tree with tomatoes, right? And inside each tomato is how many tomato seeds? Sometimes hundreds. I mean, you look at those little things. There's so many, okay? So, so what you can sow, you can literally sow one seed and reap an entire harvest, all right? We see that in the earth. We see that in the life of Jesus, okay? We see it in creation all around us. Seeds multiply. So much so, you can get a 30, 60, 100, even a thousandfold in the case of Jesus, millions-fold return. Yeah. Hosea chapter 8 and verse 7 says the following. It says, They sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Yeah. How many of you heard that scripture before? So look at, look at our two principles here. What was principle number one? What you sow is what you reap. Number two, seeds multiply. Look at this. What you sow is what you reap. They sow the wind and they reaped What? The fire. No, they reaped what? The water, flood. No, they reaped the, they sowed wind, they reaped the, the whirlwind, okay? So there's principle number one, what you sow is what you reap, but also look at the multiplication factor. They sowed wind and they got whirlwind. 
And I know this passage is talking about, you know, you, if you live a life that is, you know, just wrong and you're sowing like seeds of, you know, foolishness into your life, eventually it's all going to catch up with you and it's going to come back upon you and like it can destroy you. It can be like a whirlwind. That was me before I met Jesus, okay? Um, and so, so that's what we see in Scripture. This principle applies everywhere. So the question is, we see it in creation, we see it in salvation. What about in our lives? Is this principle true? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 8 says the following. Do not be deceived. Let's read it together. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Okay, God is not mocked. In other words, God has put something in place that what you sow is what you reap, and it applies not only to salvation and what Jesus did, not only to you know, the natural world around us, but it applies to every area of your life. If you go around sowing seeds of gossip and slander and dissension, what are you going to reap? Well, what is gossip? You, you're planting anti-friend seeds. <laughs> That's what you're doing when you're gossiping. You know, anti-friend seeds. And so what's, what are you going to reap? No friends from that, all right? But what if you sow kindness in your life? Married people, what if you sow self-sacrificing love into your marriage? What are you going to reap? You're going to reap that back. What you sow is what you reap. Listen, if you're looking for a worthy life purpose, I want to encourage you to think this morning. Don't just sit there going, Lord, where's my purpose? What do I need to do? Go and sow yourself into a worthy purpose. Sow yourself as a seed into that thing. You want to be a great leader one day? Sow yourself into serving a great leader. If you want your dreams to come through one day, sow seeds in making other people's dreams come true. And I'm telling you now, it will come back to you. It's a principle in Scripture. And this is what I'm talking to you about this morning, is that we need to be seed-minded when it comes to area, every area of our life. Jesus reiterates this in Luke 6. He says the following, give and what? It will be. Can you just say it will be? It will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. In other words, what you sow, there will be a multiplication factor. That's what he's talking about there. And then he goes on and he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me just say something about the measure this morning. Sometimes when we give, we think, okay, it's 50 bucks, all right? Like it's small, all right? Jesus, when he talks about measure here, he's not only talking about quantity, he's also talking about quality as well. Remember that story where he was hanging out in the temple watching what everybody gave and that one widow came and she put two mites into the offering box and he looked at her and, and, and he told his disciples, that woman's given more than all of these guys together. In other words, her seed wasn't quantity, it was quality. Okay, which says this, is that it's not, so it's quantity sometimes, right? But it's also quality in what we're saying. So be encouraged this morning. If you feel like it's just a little that you have to sow, change your mind and look at it in terms of relevance to your life. How much is this actually costing you? How much is it costing you? And then put that faith towards your seed. 
Rather than say, hey, this is a 10 bucker, or hey, I can only do 100 rand for the compassion ministry, or 100 rand for missions, or whatever. You know, it's not much. It's just a little. No, no. How, in the greater scheme of your life, how much is that costing you? What is the, the value on that? And then have faith according to that when you sow your seed. Believe it's a quality seed, so what are you going to receive? A quality harvest. Okay? Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. He's just reiterating, like, the way we go through life is you've got to be careful. Be seed-minded. What sort of seed are you sowing with your words over your marriage, with your words over your children, with your actions at work, when it comes to your boss, when it comes to your finances? What, what are you putting out there? What are you? Because careful, it's coming back to you. <laughs> careful, come, be seed-minded with everything you have. Words, actions, thoughts, intents, possessions, just everything you have. See yourself as a seed sower this morning and start to think of life like this. But when I read these words of Jesus, what I, what I learn is this, is that we have incredible power to affect change in our lives. And when I look at these words of Jesus, give and it will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down. What he's saying to us is, guys, you've got power to see change in your life. You've got power to see your circumstances change, your business change, your family. You've got power just, if you can just start grasping this idea that you're a sower and that you start sowing strategically and in faith, you can see good measure, pressed down, right, abounding, coming back into your body. You, you can literally see a transformation of circumstances. So you might be sitting here this morning thinking about your business and it's struggling and it's just hard. And we just, Start thinking seed. Start thinking, how can the situation change? How can, what can we do? What can we sow so that we can see a different type of harvest to what we're currently experiencing? And now, you know, I've just got a warning this morning. Can you just nudge somebody next to you and say, warning, 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 warning. Okay, this is, this is why warning. Well, because <laughs> this is really the crescendo of my sermon. If you get nothing else this morning, I really want you to get this point, okay? But the points I'm going to make, it can sound very cheesy, okay? And it can sound like something you've heard so many times before that you might just like lose the power of it. So warning, okay? This, is, you can, you, this can go over your head or you can see this in a different light and take it to heart this morning. The crescendo of my sermon this morning is this. Will you see a need, sow a seed. When you look at somebody and say, will you see a need, sow a seed. Look at those two fields in that graphic that I have for you this morning. One field, there's a harvest. The other field is dry and dusty. Let me ask you, what is the difference between the two fields? Seed. Seed is the difference. If things are dry, dusty, and difficult, if things you're not seeing the results that you want to see, maybe it's because you haven't sowed seed. Amen? So we've learned that this principle 
of what you sow, you reap applies to salvation, applies to nature, it applies to our words and every part of our lives. Question, does it apply to our finances? Of course, it has to. It has to, people. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul was specifically speaking about finances in the Corinthian church and the offering that they were giving to the churches in Jerusalem. And he said this to them. He said, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, he's talking about money, will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. He's specifically talking about finance in that verse. So now, I know, all right? I know, like, if somebody's just tuned in and they're just watching it and all they catch is this moment, they're going to be like, ah, this pastor, what is he teaching? He's teaching us that we need to give in order to get. Are you teaching that we need to give in order to get? The answer is no, okay? For the record. <laughs> The answer is no, I'm not encouraging a giving to get mentality. Why? Well, because a giving to get mentality speaks, if, if you have that mentality, what that mentality is, is a selfish mentality. It's a, it's a mentality where you're looking for stuff and you want things. And so you, you just put stuff there because you really want stuff over here. And the Bible teaches against that. In James 4 verse 3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on pleasures. All right, and this applies to sowing and reaping as well. Okay? When you sow, you do not reap. Why? Because you sow with wrong motives. Why? Because you just want stuff and you want to spend it on your pleasures. You're actually more in in interested in a brand than you are the kingdom in an object that's made with man's hands rather than the image of God on earth. That word there in the Greek, wrong motives, actually is a word used for disease or sickness. All right, so what he's basically saying is that you're asking out of a disease. You're diseased, all right? You have a sickness. You're asking out of a sickness, and the word pleasure there is hedon, where we get the word hedonism from. And so what is your disease? Your disease is hedonism. What is hedonism? It's the pursuit of self. It's the pursuit of pleasure. It's the pursuit of my comfort, all right? And not necessarily the kingdom. And so what, what we see here is that is a wrong mentality. And later in the next verse, Paul says this. He says, for God loves a generous giver whose heart is in their giving. In other words, when you sow, you don't just put your, your money there into that missions fund, into that compassions fund because you're thinking about what you can get from it. Your heart needs to be in your giving. Your heart needs to be like, you know what? I really want the poor to be blessed. I really want my spiritual family to be taken care of. I really want the missions team to go to East London and I want them to win souls to the kingdom there, you know, on their mission, next mission trip. You, your heart is in your giving. Your heart is for the kingdom. You're seeking the kingdom of God, and so it's a joy. In fact, that passage, when you look at it in some versions, it's like it actually says that God's not willing to do without a person whose heart is in their giving. That's actually like more the, the right. In other words, like he, if you don't do it with your heart, like I'm not interested. I'm like, I care, this thing. 
This is not, <laughs> this is not heart giving, all right? He's not in it. So I'm not encouraging you to have a get to give, uh, a give to get mentality. But let me ask you this question this morning. What farmer sows and doesn't expect a harvest? What farmer is there? That sows and doesn't expect, I can tell you now, many Christians. Many Christians. Many Christians see giving as obligation, as duty, as an act of obedience, and ish. I've got 110 obedience. What farmer sows seed without expecting a harvest? The answer is many Christians are out of duty and obligation and religion and even condemnation and even compulsion sometimes from preachers who are like, if you don't give, (laughs) this will happen to you. You know, so ash, we give out of fear and all of those things. And, and what we need a shift in is, is not seeing as the opportunity to give as in just an act of be obedience alone. It is an act of obedience, but it must be an act of faith as well, that I am planting good seed into good soil, and I'm expecting in a righteous way, in a holy way, God's vision for my life to be fulfilled in the process as well. That I'm planting seed, expecting a harvest of righteousness. Something, you know, have a godly vision for your life. Have a righteous vision of what God wants to do in your life. Let it not just be like, oh, I just want a house. No, let it be because my house can then serve the kingdom. Oh, I must just have a car so I can look cool and everybody will think I've arrived and now I'm successful. No, it's so I can have a car and then I can give students a ride to church as well. You know, I can be a witness to people and I can go on the mission trip and I can give my car. That we have this kingdom mentality in everything that we do. And so, can you see, this requires a process in us. It requires a shifting in us before we actually start to see the fruit of this thing in our lives. It requires our hearts to change, our motives to change, for us to become realigned that we really are not just giving because we want something, Jesus, do something in my life, you know, so I can have my vision, so I can have my, but like my life is in the kingdom and I'm seeking first the kingdom. And in that process, in that process, I'm applying my faith. I'm applying my faith. And I'm believing God to do what I cannot do in my strength. I'm believing Him to come through with that tender document. I'm believing Him to come through with that contract, with that employment opportunity. I'm be- Why? Because there's a kingdom vision behind it. The kingdom's going to advance through this. You know, I'm believing for these things because there's a, there's a righteous objective behind all of it. And I'm putting my faith into it. And guess what? In Galatians 3 verse 6, it says this. Does God do miracles amongst you because you obey the law? And the answer is no. He does it because you do it in faith. God does miracles amongst us. Why? Not just because we just obligated and do this thing, but because we, we do it in faith. That we're kingdom men and women, building kingdom homes, kingdom families. Matthew, we honor you this morning, baptizing your sons. Come on, in the kids in the kingdom. Where are you? Come on. There you are, Matthew. I honor you guys this morning. Um, We're building kingdom homes, kingdom businesses, you know, kingdom neighborhoods. We've, some of us have got to start getting a bigger vision than what we, you know, all you can see is your need. 
I want you to know that God sees way more than just your need. He's looking to you to be a powerful force of blessing. Students, let me talk to you. You're struggling with student fees. Get a sewing mentality. And understand this, that through you, hundreds of students are going to get their fees paid. If you've struggled in some way with a car, if you've struggled in some way with paying the bills and food, if you've struggled in some way in paying fees for varsity or getting a business up and running, know this, that the struggle is not in vain. Just like a seed goes into the ground and it's dark and it's difficult, it's got to break out the husk and then come through, it's the same with your life. That every area where it's been difficult or trial and you've had to dig deep and build faith and get kingdom vision and trust God and sow out of your lack and sow out of your need and believe Him to come through, guess what? It's producing a harvest, not just for you, not just for you, but for generations after you. That through you, man, God is going to feed something. You know, I love Sia Khaleesi and I love the Sia Khaleesi Foundation, our good friend, Maklatsi you know, leads that foundation. And Sia, his story, he was hungry. He was hungry at school. He didn't have food. There was no food in the house. Guess what? Through his foundation, he is feeding people, feeding people. He's got a kingdom vision. Wherever you've been tough, and it's been tough, and it's been difficult, or I want you to know that that situation in your life, God will turn it to the good, but get a kingdom vision for it. Say, why am I going through this? Why am I struggling with this? And just say, you know what? Where the enemy has tried, <laughs> where the enemy has come in, and he's tried to get me down and, de- and depressed about this, maybe this is the very area where God wants to use my life strategically to bless so many other people. Why not? Why not? I can't see anything else in Scripture than this kind of God that takes people who were injured in that way and uses them to heal and bless in that way. It's what he does. Amen. So, all of this to say to you guys, where you see, how's this rain coming? Amazing. Send the rain, Lord. (laughs) I got the song. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, let it rain. Ah. (laughs) Um, So I want to encourage you this morning, when you sow, start to be sea-minded. Start to have faith in what you're doing. Start to have kingdom vision in what you're doing. And then when you sow, expect a return. And if you don't see a return, be patient. (laughs) Keep watering your seed. You know, one of the reasons why I'm actually preaching this message this morning is because there were like literally about three miracles that God has done in Trish and I life in the area of finances in the last three months. And all of them were related to us planting seed. And the amazing thing is, we literally, we planted three seeds, all right, trusting for three specific harvests, and in three months we saw those things come to fruition, and we saw a thousand-fold return on the seed we sowed. 
Yeah. Yeah, a thousandfold return on what we sowed. And it felt like a little. And I remember the one night, I was just like, I've got to plant the seed. I've got to plant. I can't go to bed without planting the seed. And I've been learning about seed and sowing, and I'm just like, I sow the seed. The next morning, a thousandfold return on the exact number of the seed I sowed. And I was like, huh, this is really nice. <laughs> Let me sow another one. <laughs> And I was just like, you know, God has been teaching me this. And so I want to impart it to you this morning. It's something that we're seeing in our lives. But I also want you to know this. There are seeds that Trish and I have in the ground that have been there for more than decades. And we haven't seen a return. In fact, every Sunday we still sow a seed, all right, over and above our tithe and our offering and our giving to compassions and missions. And this is not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about seed sowing. We sow a specific seed to be bond-free in our home. That's what we do. We, and, and it's been more than a decade, all right? But we keep doing it. And every time we're in another church or whatever, wherever we are, we make sure we plant that seed and we trust in God for the return on it, all right? But what I, I just mentioned that because, you know, some seeds, they pop up quickly. I started growing wheatgrass seven days ago. I already have a wheatgrass harvest, Literally, I mean, it's just there, you know? Like, second day, it's coming out, it's sprouting, and now I've got this awesome wheatgrass. I know, what are you thinking, like, yeah, why are you growing wheatgrass? <laughs> it's a juice bros thing, all right? Um, watch out, new shot coming, all right? But, um, you know, amazing how quick it grows. But when I was doing research for the service, what I found out is that actually some seeds take years to germinate. Some seeds you can put in the ground for, and it can not germinate for years after that. And so faith is sometimes an instant thing. Sometimes there's quick results. How many of you prayed and you've seen a result? Come on, and it's quick, and it's amazing, all right? But how many of you are still praying for things and you haven't seen the turnaround you want? What do you do? No, what you do is you say, ah, prayer doesn't work. And then you walk away and go, ah, all those pastors who preach about prayer, I tried that thing. I don't believe in that thing. Huh? No, we don't do that. But sometimes we do that when it comes to the area of sowing seed and finances. But Lord, I planted my seed. Ah, this, this sowing thing. All these prosperity preachers, you know? Listen, there could be many reasons why that seed hasn't come through. Maybe it was sown in fear, not in faith. Maybe it was sown late and not quickly. Maybe there's something else going on in your life. Maybe you're sowing other seeds, bad stewardship or whatever that are counteracting the seed that you trust in God for. And God's like, if I give this to you and you don't have this good seed in your life, then you're gonna just mess up, you're gonna be, you know? So, it, you know, it's complicated. And, and I wanna encourage you this morning, embrace the mystery around it. Just embrace the mystery around it. In fact, I'll close with the scripture in Ecclesiastes 11. It says the following. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Look at what it says. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another. Or maybe both. Send your grain across the seeds and in time profits will flow back to you. 
but divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. That basically means if like, ah, I just don't have enough now. Wait until I have some more, or wait, wait until this is right in my life. Then I'm going to be, hey, when I'm, when I'm earning, then I'm going to start sowing into the compassion and missions. Or then I'm going to start, no, 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 no. Be seed-minded. Remember, it's not only quantity, it's quality. Okay? And so I want to encourage you this morning, guys. Embrace the mystery around this. There is mystery in this. Anyone who preaches and says they've got, they've got this totally nailed down, and it always works, and it always works like this, and it has to work, in, it's not a formula. There's a mystery around it. Just as a seed goes into the ground and dies and what comes forth, we don't know. It's the same in this area. But don't let that scare you from it. Don't let that be something that, that goes, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm not doing this thing. Be seed-minded. Amen. Can we stand to our feet this morning? I'm going to hand over to Spore to come and wrap the word. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.